Life is an adventure, and now we're taking you along for the ride. We're the Blinks family, and you've probably seen our travels on Instagram or TikTok. After traveling to over 30 different countries with our three kids, we've learned a thing or two about how to see the world without losing our sanity. Welcome to Unpacked with the Blinks, a podcast where we'll unpack what you didn't see on social by sharing an in-depth look at what it's really like to travel as a family. From finances to flight hacking, sightseeing to sleep habits, and everything in between. We haven't been everywhere, but it's on our list. Our family loves to travel, and because we homeschool our three girls and my husband and I are both work for ourselves, we travel quite a bit. But what if you don't have that flexible schedule? What if your kids are in school full-time and you don't have a remote job? Have you ever felt trapped by your family's work and school schedule and felt like it held you back from going after your travel dreams? If so, you need to stick around for this episode. Today, we're going to talk all about juggling school and work life while also pursuing your dreams of more travel with your kids. Today, we have a mom who has become quite the expert. Emily from A Mom Explorers is a travel creator and mom of four who bases her travel around her husband's work and kids' school, and that hasn't held her back from taking some really amazing trips. From Costa Rica to Greece, she is on today to share some tangible tips to inspire you to travel more with your kids, regardless of your schedule. Thank you so much, Emily, for coming on today. I'm so excited for our conversation and all of our tips that we're going to share, because this is something that I'm not really an expert on. My kids have never really been in school. So our travel schedule and the way that we go about travel is completely different. So thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So let's let everyone get to know you. Let's start off with telling us a little bit about yourself, your family, where you live, and kind of how you got started traveling with your kids. Yeah. So I I'm a former high school Spanish teacher, um, so I majored in education in Spanish, and I also married a teacher. Once we started having kids, I resigned from teaching to stay home with the kids, and that's when I started blogging. But because my husband still works in education, he's now a school principal, we have to really work our travels around the school schedule, even more so than people who just have their kids in school and have like a regular nine-to-five job. Because you can always take your kids out of school, but my husband can't necessarily find a sub as the school principal. So we really have to work around those vacation days. So we lived in Minnesota for five years. Then we lived in Florida for five years, which is where I got my start as a travel writer. And now we're back in Wisconsin where both of our families are from. So I now work as a travel blogger. Our fourth baby... Well, she's not a baby anymore. (laughs) Our fourth (laughs) kid is finally in school a few days a week. So I've been able to focus more on um, running my travel blog and social media and my podcast. And so now that earns me a full-time income and it funds all of our fun trips that we take. That's amazing. And definitely check the notes. I'll link all of your channels as well as your podcast, which has a lot of really good tips in it. So I would definitely advise you to go listen to that. And so let's talk about kind of how you got started then. Like you have this, I guess what some would consider a restrictive travel schedule. So when did you really decide to start traveling with your kids? And what did that look like at first? Yeah, so I 
have loved travel ever since high school. I went on a mission trip and that was kind of it for me. I caught the travel bug and pretty much every decision I made in my life from that time on revolved around like, will I be able to travel with this job? So I always loved writing, but I was kind of realistic about like, well, what kind of jobs could I get as a writer? So I chose to go into um, teaching instead high school Spanish because I got to work with words. I just love words. And um, so I got to do study abroad trips. I studied in Ecuador for a semester and traveled Central and South America. And then even as a high school teacher, I got to chaperone trips with my students, one to Costa Rica. And I actually even taught a little bit of German. I'm not great at German, but I taught German one and I chaperoned a trip to Germany. So I always wanted to find a way to travel. Even when we had our first baby, um, we took her to London, Paris, and Mexico. Um, We did have to slow down a little bit when we had our second, third, and fourth baby because we moved across the country away from family. Budget was tight. We were still paying off student loans and living off one teacher's income. And so there was that brief period between me resigning as a Spanish teacher and uh, me earning money as a travel blogger, that it was like, there was no extra money, like not even for like a night away at a hotel. So we took a little break, but it was always like on my mind, like, okay, how can I scheme to get myself, you know, back into travel? And I was never nervous about traveling with kids. It was always the money aspect for us. But then I got a job as a freelance travel writer, and that kind of motivated me to figure out ways to travel more. And Luckily, we lived in Florida at the time, and everywhere in Florida is a tourist destination. So we were really able to just like road trip and day trip everywhere. And I wrote about like every destination in Florida that I could think of. And before you knew it, I was like recording all this on my blog, as well as writing for the outlet that I was hired to write for. And before you knew it, I decided like, I can't keep up with these deadlines anymore. I'm going to like work for myself. and. That was right before 2020. (laughs) So that was like, oh, tough choice because now there's no travel. But (laughs) over the next few years, like I slowly like grew the blog back as travel slowly came back. And now here we are. That's amazing. And I think it's so important that we share kind of like the story of how things started because there are parallels in both of our stories about this period of time where we didn't travel. And I think it's encouraging you know, that maybe moms or dads are listening and maybe they're in that season of having really young kids. I know I had my kids really close in age. I think your kids are somewhat close in age as well. And so it's, it's difficult and it's okay if in that season you don't have as packed of a travel schedule as you might see other people do on social media, just because they're in a different season, regardless, you know, really being their budgets or their kids' ages and just logistically what works for them. Like you said, living in Florida, and we live in Florida as well, you know, it makes it a lot easier to be able to travel to like really these amazing destinations, just a car trip away, you know? And so I think if you're listening, just be encouraged if you're not in the season of having this bucket list adventure travel right now, that doesn't mean that things couldn't change in a few years. And we've all been in those positions. And I think deep down, what you have to look at is your motivation. Like you had said something that was really powerful, which is like, I always knew that I would have this travel. It wasn't about not thinking I could do it. And I think that's just a powerful motivator and a mindset to keep when you're maybe not in that season of traveling, just knowing that 
okay, maybe you're not doing this right now, but that you're determined to make this your future and whatever sacrifice and whatever extra work and whatever pulling different jobs or saving or whatever that looks like, that it will happen for you one day. Right. It's so true. And it's like, if you are so motivated to do it, you will find a way to make it happen. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So let's get into the nitty gritty of it, right? Yes. Let's talk about navigating those school schedules because, you know, regardless, if you're in the U.S., you know, you have spring break and you have summer break. So let's talk a little bit about the challenges that that you're faced with when planning your travel schedule, your family trips around your kid's school, but also your husband's job because he's the principal. And like you said, he can't necessarily take those extra days off. So like, what, what, do you, what would you say are your main challenges? Oh, for sure. The biggest challenge is cost because we are traveling when everyone else is traveling. So everything is just more expensive. Um, I would say like time restraints too, because we're really limited to taking those longer international trips to summer. Spring break, we could make it work, but with the travel time to and from, let's say Europe or South America, you're really limiting yourself to like five days of exploring. So I think that's been tough, like trying to figure out, especially Spring break, we usually try to do something domestic. And summer, we try to do something international. But we're running out of like warm places in the US to go during spring break. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, at some point, I might have to switch those two, but that's going to be a challenge. And then, yeah. yeah, I think those two are probably the main challenges is like the cost and the time restraints. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about cost because. It's why I'm so happy you're here to have this discussion with me today because I advocate for traveling off peak times, which I totally understand is a privilege that I have because of our unique schedule. So can we talk about like different strategies that you use to kind of help you offset this kind of challenge that you have with things being expensive when traveling during peak times? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's been a bit of trial and error, I feel like. And I try to share this on TikTok and Instagram too. Like I talked about how our spring break last year was to Fort Lauderdale and then we road trip down the Florida Keys. And that was like, it was just all a bunch of errors, I felt like, because all we were looking for was a cheap flight. And I found a somewhat cheap flight to Fort Lauderdale and I booked it not thinking every hotel is going to be like twice the price. Plus we have a family of six. So booking hotels was just astronomically expensive and we still had a great time, but I shared that on Instagram because I'm like, people should learn from this mistake because a lot of other families are in the same boat. So what I'm learning is number one, we need to book much further in advance than I'm used to. I don't love planning that far in advance. I like kind of spur of the moment, but When it comes to these bigger family trips, first of all, as a family of six, and second of all, traveling during peak season, we have to plan it at least a year in advance. So lesson learned, that was a big one. And then another option is to travel um, somewhat off peak. For example, Costa Rica in summer is considered rainy season. So it wasn't nearly as expensive as I thought it was going to be. Whereas if you went during spring break, that would probably be more expensive because it's the dry season. 
and more people are wanting to go. So thinking about those destinations that might be still somewhat off peak during summer, which there's not many, but um, keeping that in mind too can help with cost. That is a great tip. And I never thought about it that way. It's not just thinking about off peak where you're located, but off peak where your destination is. Right. So that is a really good tip in saving money is kind of doing a quick Google search and looking at, hey, these are some off peak destinations right now, or maybe not even looking at the seasons, but what's not as popular. You know, we obviously know from social media, there are certain destinations that are more popular and gaining popularity. So with that increased demand, you're going to see prices increase. So maybe, you know, considering a destination that's not as popular might be able to save you a little bit of money as well. Yes, absolutely. Like my husband and I took a trip to Ecuador and Colombia this past summer. We have friends living down there and that's where I studied abroad. And once the flights were a bit expensive, although we booked on points, but once you get there, everything is so cheap. Like I got a manicure and pedicure for $8 total. Um, So like hotels, transportation, everything, once you're down there is so cheap. So I think South America's really slept on as a destination. So that would be a good way. If you can find a way to book those flights, once you're there, super affordable. Such a good point. Like, don't be discouraged if the flight prices might be a little higher than you anticipated when you factor in the savings you're going to make while you're there. And we have a whole podcast episode with the Travel Hacking Moms where we kind of break down the intro to travel hacking because I know it can be like really hard to start. I know it was hard for me to kind of wrap my head around what this whole thing was. So if you want to go back and listen to that, that can also be really helpful in planning these trips during these busier times because you're utilizing points and then you're only paying those fees and taxes when you're booking these flights for your family, especially I'm sure the cost as a family of six, right? Because it's one thing if you are just a couple or you're a couple with a child under two, that's going to look completely different than you, your husband and your four kids. Yeah, absolutely. And that was another lesson we learned. And so I really focused on travel hacking this year because of that mistake I made last year. And so we're going somewhere popular for spring break. It's a tropical destination. We're going to Puerto Rico. Amazing. But we were able to book our flights all on points with the Southwest Companion Pass. So that's, again, I think you guys talked about that in your travel hacking episode, but that was huge to be able to save money for a warm tropical spring break destination. Yeah. See, it's amazing. You you really were able, because I think planning in advance too is a big part of that with travel yeah, hacking definitely. and utilizing those points and miles. And now you're getting this amazing trip. Oh, we love Puerto Rico. You'll have a great time. That's great. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for you. Okay. So let's talk about the other strategies that you use um, to really optimize your travel time without that big of an impact on your kid's school. So you also were talking about like time restraints just anything that you think would be helpful to other families who are listening, who really feel kind of like trapped to these restraints of either PTO or like we said, the kid's schedule. One of my strategies, especially when we lived in Florida before we could afford these big like trips with flights to exotic destinations, my best strategy was to sit down with my husband and map out our entire year. And I would kind of do this two times a year once in January and then like once at the beginning of the school year. And we wrote down every three-day weekend or four-day weekend we had. Um, In Florida, we got a week off for Thanksgiving. So we utilized that time as well. 
And so finding those long weekends, if you're not, for example, a teacher or principal, you can always tack on an extra day or two to a three or four day weekend and make a pretty decent trip out of that, um, wrapping it around the weekend, only taking your kids out of school one or two days. Another thing to consider is that if your school lets out earlier in the year, so we get done in May and a lot of schools go into June. So we try to go on our first summer trip, like right away, like end of May, beginning of June before it's too crowded. And so it's not quite off season, but it's still not quite as expensive and not quite as crowded. Um, Oh, I think I had something else, but now I'm blanking on it. Well, you do take trips with your kids. Like you take solo trips with your kids too. So maybe if your husband couldn't get time off of work, um, I just took my first solo trip with one of my kids and I love this tradition. So we can talk a little bit about that because I think that is equally as special, right? Like, okay, maybe you have older kids that have their like extracurricular activities or their sports. I know I struggle with that too, with my daughter in sports and trying to make sure we're here on meet days and stuff. Um, but then my youngest doesn't have as many obligations. So you want to talk a little bit about kind of your tradition, your birthday tradition and how you implemented that to get more travel in a year. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for reminding. That was the other thing I was going to say. Well, I love that those videos you have too. So I love those videos. I was like, oh, you have to talk about this. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So it's kind of selfish on my part because I am just not a good party planner and buying gifts stresses me out. But like, for some reason, planning an entire trip, like that's no problem. Yeah. (laughs) So I started this two years ago and I just offered it to my oldest too. And I said, if you want, you can do a trip with mom instead of like gifts or a party, but you don't have to, if you'd rather have the gifts or party, you can do that. Of course, they both chose the trip. And I said like, dream big, go anywhere. And my oldest daughter, we read Harry Potter together. So she chose the Wizarding World of Harry Potter And my son is really into Legos. So he chose Legoland and I was like, oh, perfect. These are so easy. (laughs) Like I can do that. That is so fun. Yes, it was great. And like, those were easy to do. Like we flew into Orlando, did one day at the park, flew back. We had some flight credits to use. So honestly, it wasn't that expensive to do. Although this year, my Harry Potter loving daughter, I'm taking her to Scotland to do some Harry Potter stuff for her birthday. So we dreamed a little bigger this year. Um, so because we have four kids and four solo trips in a year would get tough. I've alternated years. So the oldest two get a year and then the alternating year, the youngest two get to choose. Although my youngest daughter comes with me on everything because she's still home with me. So I haven't really done trips for her yet because she gets multiple solo trips throughout the year. Um, but as she gets older and into school, I'll let her choose more. So That's our tradition. And it's been fun for me to get that one-on-one time with the kids and see what interests them for a trip. Yeah. I was really surprised. Like, you know, I homeschool my kids, so I'm with them all the time. And I thought, you know, I know my kids really, really well, but to have one of them separated from her sisters and give her my undivided attention and to just allow her to lead, allow her to not be interrupted by her two older sisters. You know what I mean? That was just so valuable. And I, it sounds so cliche, but I felt like I left that trip knowing her better. And I feel like we are closer. Yes. Even more, more than we were before we left. It was such a special time. It was just a few days and I'm like so excited. And I have a Harry Potter loving girl too. My 11 year old just finished 
the seventh book. She read them all on her own. Oh my gosh. I know she's, she was crazy. She was like reading That's amazing. nonstop. And I was almost like, you need to stop, put your Kindle away, please. Like the too much. So you'll have to share with me your itinerary for when you go, because I would love to take my girls on some like this Harry Potter themed trip. Like we are, yeah. when we're in Portugal, we plan to go to London to do like the studio tour. Right. But I even more so want to take them to like the actual locations. I think that'll be so cool. So you'll have to share your itinerary with me. Yeah, I absolutely will. I'm so excited for it. Like maybe even more excited than she is because I love Harry Potter. (laughs) I love Harry Potter too. I know. Okay. We can't get off on a Harry Potter tangent. (laughs) I could ask a million questions about that. Uh, Okay. So let's talk about you know, you're taking these trips during the breaks from school, but you have a teaching background. So do you find that you incorporate some of your travels in like some of your education, I guess is what I mean to say into your travels? Like you've taken them on some pretty big trips. You've been to Greece, you've been to Italy, you've been to Costa Rica. So do you find that these trips are becoming educational for your kids? Yeah, both intentionally and in ways that I didn't anticipate. I find them being very educational for the kids. Um, With a background in languages, I just, I enjoy learning languages. So when we go to places in South or Central America, that's easy for me because I'm pretty proficient in Spanish. And I try to like get the kids to say certain phrases in Spanish. So in that way, it's educational. Actually, when I was when I only had one kid, I only spoke Spanish to her when I was home alone with her. And so she's like got a pretty good accent. She kind of remembers some things. Once we added more kids, I was like, I can't keep up with this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I love those South and Central America trips for practicing Spanish. And then any romance language, really, I feel like I can pick up the basics pretty easily because it's somewhat similar. Like in Italy, I was able to like at least order my coffee in Italian. But beyond language, because my husband's a teacher too, we like preparing the kids for the trips by either ordering books from Amazon or getting books from the library to get them excited about what they're going to learn about. Before we went to Greece, I had my daughter read um, the Percy Jackson books so she could be kind of familiar with the Greek mythology and things like that. And that really clicked with her. And so she was excited to see some of those sites. Um, So things like that, like reading books, giving them words and phrases they can use, those things are intentional. And then like when they came back, for example, actually my husband was teaching my daughter's history class or social studies class, and they were having like an ancient Rome unit. And it was like, you've been there, (laughs) like so cool. Isn't that so fun? So fun. And then the unintentional ways they're learning are things like learning about the currency and like figuring out what the exchange rate is like the math side of that is kind of cool to see navigating a new city. So the geography aspect has been really educational for them. And then like just a fun example, I think of when we were in Italy, of course, we were having gelato like every day, multiple times a day. As you should. As we should. And my one son loves strawberry. So he was always ordering strawberry and like, he just started calling it fragola. And I was like, like you just pick that up, like the word for strawberry. And it, no one taught you that, like you just picked it up. So cool. Like that made me really excited as a language teacher. Oh, I love that. I Maybe he has that knack for languages like you do. Maybe so. that's like inherently in him. Um, do you know any Portuguese? I don't. Have you ever been to Portugal? No, I've been to Brazil on a press trip and I tried to learn some. 
it's a lot harder than I thought it would be. And I've heard that like, if you speak Portuguese, you can like understand and speak Spanish, but it doesn't work as well the other way around. Right. That's what I've heard as well. And Brazilian Portuguese and European Portuguese are a bit different. I guess I'm biased mm-hmm. because I grew up hearing European Portuguese, but I find Brazilian Portuguese to be really difficult to understand their accent, but that's probably just because I'm familiar with one yes. more than the other. Um, but if you, you know, I think because you have that foundation in Spanish, I bet it'd be really easy for you to pick up. Like if you had a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, if I took the time to do it, I probably would. Yeah. Be. Yeah. Well, you'll have to come and visit us when we're there since we'll be there for okay, a long twist time. My arm. Come and say. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. So let's let's see if we can give some advice to families listening. Cause I definitely want to make sure that families listening to this with kids in school feel kind of empowered after they leave this episode, feeling like, okay, you know, I feel like I really can do this. So, you know, for families listening with kids in school, like how do you think they could integrate more travel. Let's say they're kind of already doing the basics. They're taking a trip in spring break, and then they're taking a trip in the summer. You kind of touched a, a little bit about it when you're talking about planning out your year, but like, what are some ways that you've kind of implemented even more travel into your year? Um, definitely road trips. Uh, we lo- we're a big road tripping family because for a long time we couldn't afford flights and we lived in Florida and our family lived in Wisconsin. So we would road trip back every summer to visit like 20 plus hours in a car. And we just started to really enjoy road tripping. So now that we live in the Midwest, we've road tripped to so many places that like, I didn't realize we're going to be that cool. Um, So you would be surprised what there is to offer in your region that you maybe haven't taken the time to explore. So even just regular weekends, day trips, um, long weekends, just do a quick getaway to somewhere within I would say a five-hour radius, but that's what I'm comfortable with. Um, Road tripping nearby is a great way to get more travel in. And then I find the more that you you are traveling, even if it's local, the more motivated you are to see more of the world, I think. Yeah. What are some of your favorite, like, local close-to-home trips that you've taken? Whether it be where you are now or in Florida or other places that you've done via road trip. What are some of the, like, standout kind of destinations you visited that really maybe surprised you that you were like, wow, I'm getting actually this really amazing travel experience. And I didn't even have to go that far. A few come to mind. The first one that stands out is our road trip to South Dakota. And you just think of South Dakota as like the plains, it's flat. But once you get to the Black Hills and Badlands area, the geography is just stunning. And There's so much wildlife and so much to do. And I found it to be the perfect road trip to do with very young kids because you're in the car a lot road tripping. So you're kind of keeping the kids contained. You see the wild animals and that's really fun. You see Mount Rushmore and they're all like, you don't have to be, you know, a big kid to understand like, oh, look how cool that is. So there was just a lot to see in South Dakota. That blew me away. Another Midwest road trip we took, I actually took this one with my mom and one of my sisters, and we took all the kids, was just like a national parks road trip. And we saw Indiana Dunes National Park, Cuyahoga, which is in Ohio. And then we went all the way to West Virginia to see New River Gorge. And those were just some under the radar national parks that I had not heard much about from anyone. Because you always see the out west ones, which are so amazing. 
but that was a really cool one. We got to visit like a coal mine in West Virginia. That was like so educational and I was excited about it. Um, Florida. Wow. I could go on and on about Florida. (laughs) Um, we do, we do love the Florida keys. We've done that road trip twice now. And it just, I can't describe how different it feels from the rest of Florida. So if you love that tropical Island feel, definitely do that. And like day trip to dry Tortugas national park. So epic. So epic. And then, um, Sanibel Island too, was really very laid back. Very fun. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, we definitely agree with the national park idea. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of glamour on social media about going to Europe and going international, but we have so Mm -hmm. much here in the United States that you could see. And if you're looking at budget and you're looking at time restraints, you know, it might be advantageous to consider just staying domestic and you could make an incredible family vacation. I, we actually have not done a lot of national parks and we went to Zion this past year, say this past year. Now we're in a new year. Um, and I was just like, why did I wait so long Mm -hmm. to do this? You know, because I considered myself not an outdoorsy type, you know, I like to be outdoors, but I'm not like the hiker type, but it was so not what I expected in regards to so accessible to everyone children, elderly people with lots of hiking experience, people with very little hiking experience. And I was just so blown away. And so don't feel like for when you have this time off that you have to be doing these, you know, like the further you fly, the more relevant the vacation, right? It's not necessarily work works that way. And so like you said, road trip, find the national parks that are close to you or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, find a closer domestic flight and see, and, and, Take advantage of, you know, for spring break of the time that you get seeing things versus spending a lot of time in the plane. Yes, absolutely. And I, that word you used for the national parks is exactly what I thought too, is they're so accessible because we're the same way. We like to be outdoors, but like, we're not one of those incredible families that does like the five mile hikes with their kids. Like we hike maybe twice a year, three times a year with the kids. So when we go, it's like, okay, like cross your fingers, hope they like do good. But there are so many trails you can find in national parks. They make it so accessible for everyone. It's really incredible. Yeah. I know. I was even surprised to see some trails that were stroller friendly. Right. Like that just blew my mind and the trams and just like, this is kind of like Disney, like the way it's all organized. This was so beautiful. But I did hear that was like the higher echelon of national parks too. I'm sure they're not all like that, but it was a very good kind of first experience for us. And so we definitely plan to do more this year when we get back this year. Okay. So I guess let's just move into kind of your favorite resources. I would love to hear the resources that you use, the tools that you use to help you in your planning, to make these trips accessible for you and your family and where you find like the biggest cost savings to really work within your budget. So what are some of your favorite tools? I know you guys have mentioned this one too. It's a favorite of mine and that's Going, which is formerly Scott's Cheap Flights. I've been a member since before we could even afford flights. And I would just plan imaginary trips like, oh, that looks fun. If I had money, I would definitely book a trip there. (laughs) And now that, you know, my business allows us to do that, I am checking my email every day. I'm logging onto the website like, hmm, where should I plan a trip to next? I know. My family will tell you, I'm always sending texts to my like parents and my sisters, like for those times when my husband's still teaching, like, 
hey, does anyone want to join me going to Idaho? Just I'll just throw out a random destination. And they're like, like what? But also, yes, like I'll go. <laughs> um, my mom always says yes. So I love that, that they're so open. Yeah, it's so fun. So going is a big way to save money on flights. I always say we let the deal choose our destination. And when we don't, that's when we end up paying more, um, which is sometimes fine. Sometimes if you've saved up for it. Um, so waiting for those deals to land in your inbox. Otherwise, going on Google Flights and just hitting the Explore tab and seeing where the cheap flights are, wherever you want to go. So within the United States, you can scroll down to South or Central America. You can scroll over to Europe and just find the cheapest place to go and see if you could plan a trip there. Yeah, this is a strategy we use a lot too. Like we we do this religiously and we advocate for this strategy as well. And, and when you say like, let the deals pick the destination, this is exactly what you're referring to. You are searching and what we do as well, we're searching for our trip based on where we can find the best deals and whether that be flight deals, hotel deals, whatever it is. So I, we find that when we're kind of restricted to being going to a certain destination at a certain time, like we have to, you know, be in New York on this particular day, we obviously are at the mercy of whatever the cost of the flight is versus like you said, utilizing Google flights, use that everywhere tool where I can look at the large map and see, Hey, I noticed that you can go round trip to London for $300. I think we need to plan a trip to London, you know, and Absolutely. see if that can work. And that, that can work within a school schedule as well. There you if you plan enough in advance, you can find deals in the summer. You can find deals on spring break. But like you said earlier in the episode, you just have to make sure that you're like planning that in advance. But anyways, back to this, the Google flights and using that everywhere tool and having that open like mindset of, okay, we're going to be flexible with where we're going to go. And we're going to look to see where we can find this, this flight. Sometimes when I see on TikTok or Instagram. And I see these people doing the, like, pick the destination out of the hat. Yes. I, I almost those. like want to cringe. <laughs> I know because I'm thinking, Oh, you are at the, <laughs> you are at the mercy of the flight prices. Like yes. you picked this destination out of the hat. What if going to Texas is like a thousand dollars a ticket? Like, right. What are you going to do then? You know, it's so crazy. I always wonder about that. Like, does everyone have a really big travel budget in that group? And maybe that's their only trip of the year. I'm always so entertained by those, but I'm also like, how much is that going to cost? Oh my gosh. I know. And Scott and I have actually said before that we wanted to do something like that and, and like have the girls pick a name. And then we look at each other and like, we could never, like, unless we predetermined that the names were already in the hat that were already cheap flights that we had found. Yeah. Check Google (laughs) flights that that day. Yeah. (laughs) yeah exactly and then we have like five or six okay these kind of look like the best deals we'll put those in the hat that's the way like the real travelers i think would do it the budget travelers yeah, anyway, or the you know budgetary conscious travelers mm-hmm. so yes. okay any other um sites like for maybe like excursions or like i guess how you source information and in picking these destinations or finding out like what is you know, how to navigate these destinations with kids. We usually start with Viator and get your guide for excursions. And we've had great experiences with both. To me, they're pretty interchangeable. I just see what the prices and the options are. And then as far as like free or 
cheap activities that we are maybe just doing on our own. Of course, travel blogs. TikTok has been my like latest favorite way to research trips. Um, although I sometimes like wish people would put together more detailed guides. So that's what I try to do when I make my TikTok videos is like make it as detailed as possible. Um, yeah. So travel blogs, TikTok, Instagram, um, even visiting the tourism board's website um, is sometimes a good place to start. For example, on our most recent trip to Asheville, I was on the tourism board's Instagram page and I saw this beautiful picture of a tree house. And I was like, wait a minute, how do I stay there? So like just, and I had to scroll far back to find that. And I was really wow. glad I did because we ended up staying in the tree house for a night and it was such a cool experience. So yeah, just taking the time to like research blogs, Pinterest, TikTok, Instagram. Um, there's so much out there and you could really go down a rabbit hole and search for hours and hours and hours. And sometimes I do, but sometimes you just let the, you just get there and you're like, Hmm, what is there to do? And you just ask, you know, at your hotel or you ask locals. So usually with kids though, you have to have like the basic skeleton of an itinerary planned out. Other, you can't just fly by the seat of your pants as much when you have young kids. So those are my, probably my main tools. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with saying the skeleton of the itinerary. I think people would be shocked actually to see how we travel and sometimes how little we have planned. Yes. Like I think people assume that we have like these really extensive itineraries and, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes we do like, but sometimes what works for us is to really bare bones. Like we have the basics. We know a few like places that we could eat. We have our accommodations, but a lot of times, especially when we do these longer stints, right. We're going into a new destination and we're like, so what are we going to do? Or we decide like the week before, like before we get on the flight to go to that new place, "Hmm, what excursions are we going to do? Where are we going to see? What are we going to visit? You know? And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. We've been really, really lucky. And we, that's why obviously we keep doing it that way right. um, because we like it and it right. works for us. Um, but also we have the privilege of, of having kind of a larger amount of time mm-hmm. so that we, you know, two reasons why I guess that would be important is one, we have to factor in downtime. And sometimes we don't know when our kids will need that downtime. I know you've right. talked about in some of your visits, your, your videos as well, when you've done the longer trips, And so we have to kind of be flexible there because we could just wake up one morning and realize the kids are just zapped and we just have to have like a Netflix day, which is totally something we do. And um, the other thing too, is that plans change. And we just recorded our Southeast Asia episode. And when you listen to that and all of the drama that went on in that three months, you just have to be able to go with the flow and plans change and cancellations happen and all of that. And so I think having that flexible mindset, especially as you go into looking to travel more can help you in the long run. Oh, absolutely. Because too rigid. And then those failed expectations, I know it happened to me in the beginning that can really hurt you and hurt you in, in finding, I guess what you would call success in your travels with your family. So I think this is a good segue into kind of going into your tips for traveling. Like just yeah. in general, your tips for traveling. And I know on my social media, I see it a lot. I'm sure you see it a lot too as a larger family. And I think when I say larger family, I'm talking about families that have more than two right. kids because logistically you're kind of 
have to figure out a few extra things that like a family of four would just kind of get naturally. Cause I love, I feel like a lot of accommodations just cater to families of four restaurants, you know, flights sometimes like just packages in general accommodate families of four. And so when you have a larger family, you have to make a few more modifications. So what would be your best tips for families listening that have larger families and just families in general, right. I guess. Oh yeah. I mean, so many, but when we're talking about a larger family of five, six or more, I think the biggest challenges are first accommodation and then second transportation around your destination. So accommodations, thank goodness there exist things like Airbnb or booking.com where you can find apartments. So we ended up using booking.com and Airbnb a lot for a Europe trip because the hotels are so strict about two people, three people. Maybe you can find a quad room if you're lucky, but booking two quad rooms or two, you know, triple rooms, it's like ends up being so much more expensive. So while sometimes I would prefer to stay in a hotel because like, oh, they have the free breakfast, you're in the city center. A lot of times we just end up having to go with the apartment abroad. When we're in the United States or where there's more of a um, like chain hotel footprint, I guess, it's it's nice to find those chain hotels that are like all suites or they're catered toward like long-term stays. So you can find those one or two bedrooms that aren't outrageously expensive. So like, for example, like a Hyatt place, we're going to be staying at a Hyatt place in Puerto Rico, booking it on points, which is super like the amount of points we're paying for that is so low. So looking for those suites, like it, it's not going to be the most glamorous hotel, but you're going to get free breakfast and you have a place to lay your head and it's a base for your adventures. So that's what we typically do for accommodations. Um, in Costa Rica, I did want like kind of a fun resort experience when we were in Arenal, like by the volcano. And we were able to find a hotel that had like, I don't know how to like cottages almost where like each cottage had two hotel rooms within it. And we were just able to get one cottage. And that was the most I had ever paid for a hotel, but that was intentional. Like I wanted that experience where we had the view of the volcano. Right. Um, so yeah, it really ranges what we do and it depends on the experience we're looking for when it comes to accommodations. And then as far as transportation, if we are outside the U S we are not renting a car and sometimes that works to our detriment, but also like, it's kind of nice to not have to worry about driving in a foreign city (laughs) because if we are able to find a minivan or an SUV that fits a family of six, number one, it's very expensive. Number two, the roads are often narrow. And like, I don't think I or my husband want to deal with like (laughs) navigating narrow foreign roads with a minivan. So what we have found is either we go somewhere with public transportation, Europe is great for that, or we try to find like a private transfer of some sort. So that's what we did in Costa Rica. And it was surprisingly affordable, not cheap, but very comparable to what it would have cost to rent a car. So that kind of took some of the stress off our shoulders. Like, okay, like transportation from the airport to the city two hours away, and then they'll drop us off and we won't have a car while we're there, but we'll find our way around. So that's typically what we do for transportation and accommodation. Yeah. Well, as someone who has rented a car and drove around Costa Rica, as well as islands in Greece, 
I can attest that you're probably making the best choice because it just reminded me of a situation in Greece where the car was perfectly fine and they were like trying to get us for like little scratches that they saw on it and take our deposit and all of that. And Costa Rica is just a whole other place to drive. Like I, that's just very stressful. (laughs) Watching our driver navigate, like the road was only narrow enough for one car and we were going around a curve and it's raining and it's dark. So I'm like, how do you know if there's another car coming around the other way? I like watching some of your TikToks from your Costa Rica trip. I just remember like, I'm so glad we didn't rent a car that looked harrowing. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's like fine during the day. And some people are great at that. That's just not us. Right. Yeah. You have to have like some really tough nerves yes. because, and I don't have, so I leave it to Scott. He handles that part. And I just look at my phone or look mm-hmm. down and try not to have a panic attack yeah. because it is exactly like you described. It is so scary. And it's just, you know, I think, and, and also we have a privilege because as five and our kids are older. So it's like, we don't have the car seats. Right. We can squeeze in to a smaller car. Like we, it's a tight squeeze. And my kids are arguing like 90% of the time, but we can make it work where, you know, adding just that one extra kid, right. you just can't, it does not work. So that's definitely a really good tip. Now talk about like, I guess the setbacks, I'm sure you've had them. We've all had them. Things that have kind of gone wrong on the trips, things that didn't happen the way you expected. And I love that you share that on your social media and talk openly about, you know, some of these mishaps or mistakes that you've made or things that you didn't happen like you expected. And it's not this picture perfect, you know, Instagram worthy, like everyone laughing and going right. So maybe talk about like, and if you want to share some of like those really impactful setbacks that you've experienced and kind of how you approach that and how you handle that, because I think talking about this is so important when encouraging other families to travel, because they're probably looking at themselves and they're thinking, well, like, my kids have tantrums. My kids couldn't go on a flight. My kids, you know, act this way. There's no way my kids want to stand in line to see the Mona Lisa. Like it's just all of these things. And I can speak for myself, but my kids are exactly the same. Like my kids have tantrums. My kids bicker and fight amongst each other. And they complained about standing in line to see the Mona Mona Lisa. I remember Hazel going, really? That's it? (laughs) You know? And I'm just thinking, Oh gosh. Like one day she'll appreciate this. It's just not when she's seven, you know? Okay. That my eight-year-old said that about Ponte Vecchio in Florence. He's like, I don't get it. It's just a bridge. (laughs) I was like, I mean, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. Yeah. Even all the travel creators, I'm sure have a story of that happening with their kids. And, And so I think it's important that we kind of talk about these obstacles that we face. And so like, how do you handle that? Yeah. I've come a long way. I think just as I age and get more wisdom, hopefully. Because <laughs> when I first started like travel writing, like as a travel journalist, this was back in the age where Instagram was all about getting that perfect photo. And so I felt like I was stressed on every trip we took. Like, first of all, I have to do everything there is to do so I can write about it. And second of all, I have to get that yep. picture perfect shot. And that's why the advent of video, yep. I think, has come, has, I've loved it. Because I don't like, I can just record as we go. I don't have to stop anyone from doing what they're doing and just record the scene. So that has helped. But what's come the longest way, I think, is my mindset in that um, 
like you said, when you have these high expectations of how you think a trip is going to go, you're setting yourself up for failure. And so it's like, plan for the worst, hope for the best, but you have to have a sense of humor when things go wrong. And what's helped me kind of get out of that moment of like, everything's going wrong and I'm like so upset. This is not how our trip is supposed to go. What takes me out of that is like remembering to just like snap a quick photo because then I put myself in the mindset of like, how am I going to tell my family about this later? How am I going to spin this into like a funny story? Like when we arrived in the Florida Keys at 11 at night, my son had hit me in the face by accident. His head hit my eye and I had a giant black eye. We arrive at 11 o'clock at night. There's no cars left at the car rental. And so we're just sitting there with four kids after a long trial day. I've got a black eye. My husband's standing in this long line where there are no cars left. And I took a picture of the line and I sent it to my family. I was like, it's the Seinfeld episode where Jerry's like, anyone can take a reservation. (laughs) Oh, no. Having that sense of humor about it and then like continuing that sense of humor as we pay for our $77 Uber plus tip to get to our hotel. It's like, okay, this is going to make a great story later. And now it's part of our family, like inside jokes, like remember that one time. And so like just snapping a picture can kind of take you out of the moment into like, this is going to be really funny later. It doesn't feel funny now, but it's going to be funny later. And then just like mantras as a mom in general, but like as a mom traveling, I have found that like reciting mantras in my head really helps me like stay even keel. Like for flights, I can do anything for three hours. If the flight is three hours and I'm traveling with a one-year-old toddler who does not want to sit on my lap, I can do this for three hours and it will be over soon. And that sounds so simple, but like just having that mindset of like, okay, I can do this for a finite amount of time. Um, Just like reciting, like I can do hard things. This is a great adventure. Not this is a relaxing vacation. No, this is a great adventure. This is going to bring us closer as a family. So just having those like mantras handy, like write them down if you need to. Um, But just having that mindset of like, yeah, when we're waiting at the Houston airport on the way back from Costa Rica and it's 90 degrees out and the shuttle for our hotel is not showing up, this is a funny family memory. And like watching the family grow closer and like, like even watching the kids come together in those moments is just, it's really like a silver lining. It's a side benefit of the setbacks of travel. I love that. I absolutely love that. I'm going to take your advice about taking the picture um, because I normally have like, not that I want it for footage or anything, but I normally like, that's the last thing I'm thinking about. But I, I do think it helps you reframe. It does. Like yeah. you said, reframe your thoughts. Like one of the mantras, and I also use mantras. One of the mantras I say to myself is like, bad things could happen anywhere. I'd rather be. And then I say wherever I, I'm, yes. I'm glad that I'm here. So like bad things are going to happen no matter what. I'd rather be in Thailand. Yes. And I'm like, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm in Thailand. You know what I mean? Because things go wrong no matter where you are, what you're doing. Kids get sick. It was really hard for us to remind ourselves when we were really, really sick in Bali but we could be sick at home. I'd rather be in right. Bali, you know, which don't know. I told myself that. I don't know if that was the case at the time or even hindsight looking back, if I would say that that's the truth, but it's just helping reframe right. from getting in that really like 
negative headspace, which you can easily get into when, when you, because it feels like when things go wrong, it's like the, then this avalanche right. of things going wrong, yes. right? Not just one thing that happens. And it's really easy for your mind to go into this like slippery slope of like, but then this went wrong and this went wrong. And now my whole trip is ruined. Right. Right. And so also what the kids and I like to do is like when I notice we've had a hard day or maybe they've had a hard day and we're having a lot of tantrums, like before bed, I'll have, I'll sit with them and I'm like, let's talk about our three favorite things that happened today. And sometimes I will mention those mishaps yeah. and how funny they were. Yes. You know, like remember when, you know, we thought we lost our bag, but we actually did it. It was so funny. And then we found yeah. it. Oh, that was really funny. So to also help them kind of reframe their thoughts yes. and not be kind of in that victim type mindset and really have that like positive mindset for them. And I think it helps. I do it for them, but ultimately the end of the day, it for helps me, me right. because I'm going to bed. Yeah. It's for yes. me. It's totally for mm-hmm. me. So hopefully that's helpful for families listening and thinking about like, I really want to travel more like these families on social media, but things look totally different for me. I bet you they do not look that different, like behind the scenes and hopefully in front of the scenes, because we're trying to share some of these things and be honest and candid about what these things look like. They look really similar to what your travels do as well. And so don't let that discourage you just because you might be having an off day. It doesn't mean you have a bad trip. Exactly. Yeah. It's a bad moment, not a bad trip. A bad moment. That's right. Okay. So before we sign off, I'd love to hear about some of your favorite trips, oh. your favorite adventures, your favorite experiences, things that have really stood out for you and traveling with your family, traveling with your kids. And those moments that you know that you'll look back on in in like 10 years and talk about as a family. Yeah. This is a really tough one because it's like every trip. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think know. what really sticks out to me is our first international trip as a family of six was to Costa Rica. And my two oldest at the time were ages eight and six. And they went zip lining with my husband. I had already done that zip lining tour. So I was like, I'll stay back with the littles at the hotel. You take the kids. And watching the videos of them and hearing them talk about it, how brave they were to overcome their fear. And they just did it. And then they had the best time. So that always sticks out to me our whole Costa Rica trip in general, like seeing sloths and dolphins and everything, but them ziplining, I think was a huge thing. And then our whole family still talks about the guided tour we had at the Coliseum in Rome because we had the coolest tour guide. Um, His name was Giuseppe, I believe. And he was so funny and so informative. And we had a bunch of other tours on that trip, but he just made the Coliseum stand out to us the history, the stories. He would like insert his hypotheses about how they did things. Um, Just really personable. And the kids were very engaged. So we all remember that moment so well. So I think those two experiences really stick out to me. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. It's sometimes funny, like when you get asked, like, what's your favorite trip or what's your favorite experience? And even though I totally just put you on the spot there, um, because sometimes it's not what you expect. And sometimes it's a little moments and sometimes it's a collective of all of these moments that are like changing you and impacting your life and changing your kids. And even though you don't see it right in that moment, you know, so, but thanks for sharing that. Costa Rica is just a special place. We fell in love with Costa Rica. It's just, 
it's so special to us too. And when you talk about it, just get excited. And I'm like, Ooh, maybe I should go look at it right? <laughs> after we get off because I miss it. I'm like, uh, it's been over a year since we've been, I think we're due for another should trip. Probably go. Yeah. Yeah, we should. I know. Twist my arm. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Emily. Thanks so much for hanging out today on unpacking everything about school schedules and work schedules and traveling as a large family. I hope the people listening today got a lot of tips that they can take back and use and start planning more of their dream adventures. And thank you for listening. Make sure you tune in for our episode next week, where we will share even more useful tips for traveling as a family. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Unpacked with the Blinks. We hope it inspired you to step out of your comfort zone and finally book that bucket list trip. If you liked what you heard, please hit that subscribe button to get notified when a new episode hits the tarmac. And be sure to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a suggestion of something you'd love to hear on a future episode, please send us a DM on Instagram at with the blinks or Mrs. Blinks. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, magical memories are within your grasp. See you next time.